The opinions expressed on the ACB Media Network are those of the content providers and should not be viewed as an endorsement of any product or service. Nor does it reflect the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Good afternoon, ACB community. You are listening to a community call, Home, Garden, and Agriculture. We come to you on the second Saturday of each month on a variety of topics related to homesteading and uh, agriculture, gardening, animals, um, all sorts of things. And uh, my name is Marge, and my co-facilitator is Deborah. And we have a guest uh, with us today, Jasmine, who will be talking about medicinal herbs. Before we started, both Deborah and I were saying how difficult it is to come in uh, this time of year from being outside for those of us in in, uh, the U.S. uh, and North American time zones because we're so busy with uh, our gardens and other uh, tasks that uh, relate to spring. And I notice a number of you came in at the very last minute to join this call. So maybe you're in the same uh, same boat as, as Deborah and, and I am. So Deborah, uh, what are the, the quick highlights of your garden this month? Oh my goodness. Um, so much just exploded. It was like nothing, nothing, nothing. And then boom, the weather turned and I have a greenhouse full of herbs and greens. They are planted in my green stalks. Those are vertical planters. And they just, within the past week, have really filled out. It's so pretty in there. I, I like to go in there and just inhale the fragrance of everything. Um, the rabbits and I are really enjoying the greens and the, um, the herbs are making the most fantastic teas right now. I'm sipping on a lemon verbena tea from the green stock. Um, but yeah, just trying to keep up with mowing and weeding and so many things to plant. It's, it's, it's fun though. It's, definitely my release. I, I work full time too. So I say I work to support my uh, gardening and animal habits. <laughs> so how about you, Marge? How are things going your way? Well, that is so true for those of us who, who are um, uh, chained to desks of some sort or another. Uh, we can't wait to get outside. And uh, yes, we are in um, my part of the world pretty pretty full spring heading into summer. We have an abundance of uh, green beans and crookneck squash uh, that is is uh, challenging a, a bit in terms of what we're going to do with them. And my husband just walked in and handed me a quart-sized container of blueberries that he just picked. Oh, well, give me one before you take oh. them away, for Christ's sake. Oh, yeah. All right, thank I want you. some of those. I can't grow them here. I'm so jealous. Oh, yeah. They, oh, yeah. Touched by the sun. They are so delicious. Anyway, oh, that's, that's my highlights. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right off the bushes. Oh, mm-hmm. that, I'm very jealous. Well, 
We are very fortunate to have Jasmine back with us. Some of you might remember that she talked with us about poultry a couple of months ago. I think she inspired some new poultry keepers. And today she is going to talk to us about medicinal herbs, growing and using medicinal herbs. Jasmine has a homestead uh, named Time and Timber. Time is in the herb. She is a multifaceted, talented person um, when it comes to homesteading. And, and we were, we're all very fortunate that she was willing to sacrifice a little bit of time on her first sunshiny day for quite a while to uh, talk to us. So, Jasmine, thank you so much for for talking with us today, and uh, welcome back. Thank you, Deborah and Marge, and you all listening. I'm happy to be here again. You guys were a fun group last time. <laughs> well, hopefully we are again. And I will tell you, I'm not. I, you and Nella are good friends, and for those who don't know, Nella runs a, a list called Homesteading by Touch that a lot of us uh, are on. And she uh, started a book club. And uh, the book that we're reading now is about growing and using herbs. So uh, this is perfect. <laughs> it all worked out. Oh, yeah. Really well. <laughs> <laughs> so fun. So, Love it. So Jasmine, can you tell us a little bit about what what um, got you into herbs? Why, what, what drew you into your interest in herbs? Absolutely. So it is a long story. I'll keep it somewhat short. Um, when I was in my early twenties, I had a health condition that, um, needed to be addressed. And I had someone reach out to me who was into natural medicine um, because I wasn't quite ready to have a surgical removal of this issue. And um, herbal medicine was very new to me because I was in um, the medical community. So I was used to using, you know, drugs versus not saying that there's no place for them, but uh, drugs versus natural. And so the natural realm was very, very different for me. And it was around the same time I actually started planting um, my first garden. So I was, I was quite young and very eager to learn. And once I got my toes dipped in, I went in fully all the way, um, just very intrigued by the way that plants um, can be so uh, helpful. They're also very complex. And there are so many wonderful things that we can do um, using these plants to help prevent things or just aid in our health or soothe ourselves or deal with stress. And so I feel like they're kind of, uh, I got into it because once I understood what the plants could do, there was this huge world of opportunity. Plus you get a double therapy, right? Because you get to have your hands <laughs> in the dirt, planting these, understanding how the plants work. And then, um, once you understand kind of the complexities and how it can be used medicinally, you get the harvest portion, you get to make medicine with them and watch it work with healing animals or your garden or yourselves. So it's, it's, it took a very, I took a very deep dive into it once I got my toes dipped in. 
Yeah, and, and I like the way you talk about it, the double benefits. It's not just using the herbs, but it, that the process of growing and it mm-hmm. just sparked a, a memory. I, I was, uh, and I will slip in here that I am a master gardener through the University of Idaho Extension Agency system. Um, and I was in a, a class just this month and the horticulturalist was talking about research showing that as we garden, we inhale and sometimes um, internalize um, bacteria through cuts, whatnot in our skin. And that those microbes that we are inhaling or, or absorbing uh, act to uh, stimulate more serotonin in the brain and act like antidepressants. There, there's actual mm-hmm. research showing that now. So that's, that's pretty exciting. So it's not just the, the actual herb itself, but also the process of, of raising it. So tell us a little bit about what, um, what you have done to educate yourself as, as an herbalist. Sure. So um, when it comes to uh, herbalists in the United States, there's not really, or there hasn't been, they're getting, it's becoming more and more popular where there are really good educational uh, programs that you can take. And so when I first started, um, I did take an online course for a family herbalist and completed that. So much to learn, so much to take in because everybody is so individual. Every single plant that you work with has is so complex in in what it can do. Um, so I started there, but I am an avid bookworm, and so every book I could get my hands on, um, whether they were uh, textbooks or um, you know ones you can just get from the bookstore, I had my nose in deep, um, and then I also had mentors, which was incredible because there is something to be said about learning things through text and learning things through experience and using the knowledge of people who have been using these plants for medicine for decades. So that's how I started. And then I continue to just, you know, dive in deep, uh, finding online research on specific, either specific elements or specific plants how they work with the body, how they work with other plants. Um, and it's, it's never going to, uh, I don't think I'll ever cap what I'll be able to learn because there's always something to learn new about herbalism and, and plants. Yeah. Something you'll be a lifelong learning experience. Yes. Lifelong student. So, so tell us a bit about the herbs you grow. So when I first got started, um, I was very new to gardening. I didn't even know there was such a thing as master gardeners at the time. Again, I was very young and very just all in. Um, So I started with very, very basic plants that you could just get from a big box store. And they had like, you know, tomatoes, basil, thyme. And I was like, okay, cool. We, you know, start there. Um, But then once we moved to Missouri. So this previously we were in Illinois. When we moved to Missouri, um, I had a mild, I'll call it a handicap that when we were renting, I couldn't plant all of the plants 
as I really wanted to. So I relied heavily on neighbors and friends, um, getting them excited about planting things. So now that we're on our homestead, I put a huge emphasis on perennials. So the ones that come back year after year um, and woody shrubs and things of that nature. So, and as much as I can, I try to do native plants. That's just a personal preference. And there's some that you can't get native uh, when it comes to medicinal plants. But right now um, we have some plants that I've learned do not grow well here. And I've had to start over. Uh, we had a horrible, horrible cold winter and I've lost all of my gorgeous bushy lavender plants because oh, they don't yeah. love, <laughs> they don't love oh. freezing temperatures. Yeah, uh, so. they, don't, they, don't, they don't last more than a few years anyway but they, they don't go they go once they get to this beautiful peak and then poof the next year they're dead. <laughs> i like, know oh. Oh, and you know yeah. i have my hopes up so high because we have lavender farms in southwest missouri mm -hmm. and you know i had high hopes that i could achieve what they do but that is their single plant passion and they can really mm -hmm. tend to them i don't have the <laughs> Uh, yeah. attentiveness for that. Um, but our yarrow, our echinacea, which are usually considered flowers, most people think of those as flowers, I think of them as medicinal plants. Um, my comfrey, my self-heal, um, I'm trying to think what I just walked through. Of course, my time comes back year after year, and that's one of my favorites. And if I can plug it in anywhere, it gets like a little plunk here, a little plunk there. Um, I use catnip and catmint a lot in uh, peas and healing baths. And I also let a lot of things grow wild around my homestead because they're medicinal plants, although some people will call them weeds. So I intentionally plant things like dandelion, um, broadleaf plantain. There's a lot. And marshmallow roots, one that I've been having a lot of fun with uh, recently added to that and witch hazel is another shrub that we've added and our elderberry. So there's a list and it just could go on and we would never have time to cover everything. <laughs> yeah, that that it sounds like you have a very eclectic garden. There. Yes. Well <laughs> I, I do. I I do have a lot more questions, but um Marge, okay. uh, do you have any questions for her before we open it up to let people call? Well, why don't we uh, see what uh, what folks on the call uh, would like to ask okay. about? All right, Lucy, yeah. we're ready to take calls. Okay. So if anyone, if you have any questions about growing or using herbs, or if you want to tell us about what you do with your herbs, uh, even if it's one herb that you're growing in mm -hmm. an apartment, give us a call. We don't have any hands raised right now. Okay. So um, you mentioned comfrey. <laughs> and yes. I, I do have to, that comfrey can be kind of controversial, I know. It can. Um, <laughs> yes. And um, what are your thoughts on using comfrey, um, both in humans and in animals, and in, in with your poultry and livestock? Yeah. So comfrey is a staple on our homestead. Now, um, when Deborah says it's controversial, there are some studies that show um, some harm that can be done ingesting them 
ingesting this plant as um, a tea or a tincture, but then there's also anecdotal evidence that that's false. So we won't get into that, but how I love to use comfrey is for external healing, and it is a key component in some of the skin salves that I make um, here on our homestead. Um, and I use the salves for what I call it is actually a green bandage salve. That's my trademark name for it. Um, but comfrey is what you would call a, a knitting herb. It like heals cells at the cellular level and gets things back in order. So um, one of the things that I use it for bumps, bruises, cuts, I actually have used it to help my grandfather heal um, some of his broken ribs where there's not a whole lot that you can do about, you know, broken ribs other than, mm -hmm. you know, let them heal. I've had my grandmother um, make a very, what's called a poultice. So it's a very concentrated um, fresh herb paste basically that she had on his back and he had pain relief after just three days of putting that on and then x-rays of it really already starting to heal those bones together. So when I say that herbs are powerful and complex, that's truly what I mean. <laughs> they, they can heal other plants. Comfrey can heal other plants. I've used it to fix um, a broken tree limb on one of my fruit trees. Um, for compost, it brings a lot of wonderful minerals back into the soil. Um, and then with my chickens and even my goats, the goats will just smack it down to nothing. And I have to kind of say, ladies, especially the mamas in milk, they're like, this is high in calcium. I want to eat this. And I'm like, yeah, but you have to share it for the rest of the animals on the farm. But the chickens love it uh, for its calcium and green helps to make those yolks beautiful and orange and bright. And so it has a lot of value here on our homestead. Yeah, I have some comfrey, and it's pretty, too. It's, it's oh, it's very, gorgeous. The pollinators has, love it. <laughs> all they do. It has purple blossoms. It's it's a very mm -hmm. striking plant, and it, it would be very difficult even for goats to totally kill it. It's yes. Quite <laughs> yes. I okay. do warn anyone who I share it with that if they plant it in one spot, prepare for it to never leave that no matter how much you dig it up, if it's never going to die from that spot. <laughs> okay, you do Sorry, have two raised hands. Yes, first is Scott, followed by Nella. Scott? All right, thanks. Hi, Scott. I wonder if you could talk a little bit, hi, wonder if you could talk a little bit about, I've heard that for cold and sinus, things like echinacea and uh, also golden seal root, um, I've heard of use of the use of those for help with cold and maybe sinus, and also, um, also I've heard of one called quercetin. Mm -hmm. If you know anything about sure. any of those, so. so quercetin is a compound from a plant, and it is an an anti-inflammatory and an antihistamine, and it's and it's wonderful. So if you do have uh, sinus issues or a lot of inflammation, that is definitely an antioxidant to look into for adding to your regimen. Now, as far as plants go, um, there is a slight confusion as to what um, some of the immune boosting herbs do, which when you say echinacea, that would be considered an immune boosting herb. So while it is 
a very good additive. It's not going to completely help with right. with any sinus issues because what it does is it calls on your um, white blood cells to create an army to help your immune system fight whatever bacteria or virus that you have. So echinacea is a great complementary plant to add to a tea, especially when you have a cold or something like that. Um, so golden uh, rod actually is great for sinus issues. And it gets a bad rap because people get it confused with ragweed during allergy season, but it actually does the opposite. And it can really help, uh, especially in a tea form, um, help with those the sinus issues, it also can be used um, to do a, a nasal flush if if you're oh. used to a neti pot, if you've ever heard of that. Oh, yeah. Uh, Goldenrod yeah, tea can be used saline, in place saline. of... Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, so, so those, um, those are great. Yes. Go ahead. Jasmine, when you're talking about echinacea, it's also called coneflower. Um, yeah. I, what, what part do you use because i grow echinacea and i don't want to dig it up and use the brew <laughs> correct I, it's very pretty <laughs> it is one of my absolute favorite flowers to have around and i completely understand deborah so you can actually use the entirety of the plant for the health benefits so you can use the flowers you can use the aerial part which is the leaves and stems as well as the roots and the, the interesting thing is you don't want to use your roots until the plant is mature. So two or three years old is the only time you'd want to harvest any of the roots. Um, and it, the roots are going to carry some of the most strong benefits that you'll get from it. However, the flower, when it's fresh, uh, it will actually, you can know when it's doing what it needs to is it'll leave a tingle on your tongue that almost is a numbing feeling to it, but that can be used fresh as a tea. It can be dried, but it's not gonna be as potent as the dried root. Mm -hmm. um, but if you make what's called a tincture or an extract, the echinacea, the top parts of the flower and the stem is perfectly uh, helpful medicinally and you can use that. Thank you. Scott, did you have mm -hmm. any other questions? Nope. Sounds like we lost Scott. Okay. Thank you for calling, Scott. And you said there was another hand, Lucy. Yeah, Nella. Hey, Nella. Hi. Um, so I bought more comfrey today because um, Jasmine <laughs> gave me comfrey in the past and my goats got into it and ate it all. So I don't remember what you told me as far as um, like how much sun, how much water. Um, I want to be reminded of that. Sure. So, so comfrey I, I, is I, a I very. Have to, I have to stop you here for a minute. I am just shocked. <laughs> Your goats killed comfrey? They ate it. They, I mean, it was totally gone. They ate it all and it didn't come back. I've, that's just amazing to me. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> no, I Nella had shared that with me. I um, I, I, <laughs> I did have just a small, you know, because I had just started it. Jasmine gave me the plant. She also gave me some yarrow, which they wiped out. Um, but anyway, <laughs> oh, I, I got a new plant today and I couldn't remember, like, you know, does it like direct all, you know, sun? Does it like, is it, does it like lots of water? So I, I Sure. What, do, what does it need? So, comfrey is not a very picky plant. 
um, which is why so many people have good success growing it and not letting it die. Um, so it can be in partial shade. It can be in full sun. So wherever it's convenient for you to keep it away from little munchy goats. <laughs> um, and as far as watering and like the soil, you just want it to be like rich and loamy, like a composted soil or, you know, something that's going to be loose and not too compacted. Um, so you'll want to probably amend our Missouri soil a little bit or have it in, in one of the beds that you've already worked on. But uh, water it in good as it's getting established and it'll be just fine. And like I said, the biggest thing is keeping it away from munchy lips. <laughs> yeah, well, I think I, I I think maybe I hope I have solved the escaping goats and garden issues. <laughs> oh well, you'll have to sell the patent to that one. <laughs> yeah. So, um, now with comfrey, I grow a sterile variety because I've been told yeah. that if you, you grow a non-sterile variety, it will feed itself all over and you'll hate it after a while. So yes. Would you so I also yeah. do that. Yeah. It's okay. Russian Bocking 14 is, is the one that I keep around. And I have had um, probably about a hundred plants from root division that I have propagated from my very first comfrey plant. Oh, 14 years ago. Yes. And yeah, uh, they're the true comfrey. Um, it can seed. Very few people actually have the self seeding um, variety in the United States. There are some, but uh, one thing that I've noticed with my uh, Russian Bocking 14 is that the leaves can become, I don't know, 14. 16 inches long and very wide, and it can become a very large plant once it's well established. Um, and the nice thing about this, because it is sterile, is it's root division, so you can control how much it spreads. Now, once the roots are there, they're never going anywhere. So even when you split them, a one-inch piece of root will become a, a big plant someday. So just keep that in mind when you're cultivating yours. <laughs> Yes, and it, it is a very attractive landscape plant. I have it, yes. two of them growing in my front yard. And, and every once in a while, I just whack it clear down to the ground and yes. it just pops <laughs> back up again. It, it, it's a beautiful plant. Okay, right. we have, and have, it gets used often. Oh, go ahead. We have another hand. Dexter. Okay. Hi, Dexter. Wow. What time is it where you are? Uh, somewhere between 2.30 and 3 a.m. You are a dedicated community member. <laughs> oh, <laughs> my <you>. goodness. <laughs> yes. So uh, what do you well, have one question, for Jasmine? Yeah, one question, uh, number one, how do you spell comfrey? And then number two, with regard to the curcumin, and that one of the big ones that has a lot of curcumin in it is uh, turmeric, and mm -hmm. and I don't, you know, I don't know anything about growing turmeric or that. I just know that we use a lot of it. Um, <laughs> we, we, I mean, like if we're having you know potatoes or that, there's you know 
there's turmeric on the potatoes and oh is that good and also like if you thinly slice pumpkin and sprinkle turmeric on both sides and a little bit of salt and pepper and fry it that is also that's my favorite way of having pumpkin for instance but oh, um, that sounds amazing <laughs> the turmeric uh the thing about it is it actually it's got so many medicinal uh abilities in fact i just read a uh an article just probably about two weeks ago i think it was that i sent it to all my family that turmeric actually is more effective than 14 different uh, medicines that are used for various things. Yeah, it is a, great, a medicinal yeah. powerhouse. <laughs> so, so do you grow turmeric? So I have attempted to grow turmeric. Um, it is a tropical plant. So I don't know if anybody's ever tried to grow ginger, um, but it's very similar to how you would grow ginger. So you would need a fresh root stock um, that has not been sprayed with a growth inhibitor to um, preserve it in a grocery store. So if you had either a supplier of comfrey root uh, for planting specifically, or if you went to a health food store that carries um, the, the tubers, that would be the place to start. And container gardening is perfect for turmeric because uh, a lot of times you won't have the perfect greenhouse effect um, outdoors for the entire season. Uh, it does best, it's very what they call tender perennial. So for the US zones, and Dexter, it sounds like you are way ahead of us time, time zone wise, um, but, uh, for the U.S., it's a tropical, uh, so you would be in growth zone 10, which is is like the warmest, it never sees winter. So the moment that there's cold weather, it affects the growth of turmeric. Um, could I um, chime in here too? Um, sure, absolutely. This is Marge and, and I grow it. I grow both turmeric and ginger. I'm in zone awesome. 8B and... Um, I've, I've grown it for years and um, you can sometimes uh, the store-bought pieces, if you try soaking them um, and, and for a day or so, if they've had growth inhibitors sprayed on them, they can sometimes overcome that. With both ginger and turmeric, it takes a long time for the root to start sprouting it, it for the piece. Um, it mm -hmm. roots in first and then a little spike will start coming up. And now I just was just looking at my ginger pots today. I have seven of them and four have little spikes peeking out. And that's after oh, about a month. That's, <laughs> yes. you know, so you have to be patient. And that was store-bought because I didn't have any leftover to work with on the, the ginger and turmeric. I ended up because my pieces sort of dried up and rotted. I sold my best stuff and what I had left wasn't very good. And so I am trying from the store bought and we'll see what happens. But it, um, 
you you take the the root piece like the ginger or the, this is true with both of them and you find you can feel the little knobs on the piece mm-hmm. that's where the stalk will come out from and so you yes. stick that up up with that knob pointing up in your pod and just bury it a couple inches down and make sure it gets watered. Turmeric and ginger, both turmeric can take more sun than ginger can, I've found anyway. I grow them both in pretty shaded areas. Yeah, I agree. And, shaded. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and it takes, um, with both of them, it takes um, a good several months, even Dexter for you and your climate, it would still take several months. But the leaves come out, they look like on turmeric, the leaves look like banana leaves almost. They're very yeah, wide. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> very wide. Yeah. And the, the ginger is a more feathery sort of leaf. Um, mm-hmm. But they're Does they're it remind both. you of bamboo? Yeah, yeah, they, they, mm-hmm. they really do. And they're, they're both just fun to grow because then when it starts dying back and sort of going brown and, you know, on the top, that's when you dig and turn your pot over and see what you got under there. And that's what's so yes. fun about it. You don't quite know what you're going to get. And it's very fun when you, when you have a, a good result and the fresh turmeric, um, as you know, probably Jasmine is very different from the processed stuff it's yes (laughs) it's it's present but it's milder and less concentrated I guess but um Mm -hmm. very interesting to work with in different dishes that you might cook Um, I've had it in oatmeal in the morning haven't confused it for ginger in the the fridge so there's there's all kinds (laughs) of different ways you can uh you can use the fresh turmeric root along with the dried the dried powder and I definitely agree Dexter about the the medicinal benefits no question about it it's a powerhouse all right you so have Dex- Dex- oh, Dexter had also asked how to spell comfrey oh right yes um so it is c-o-m-f-r-e-y okay thank you by the way with You're regard welcome. to like the uh the turmeric and so forth in oatmeal that uh, we don't use it so much in oatmeal, but basically we use a lot of uh, what's the same as cream of wheat. And mm-hmm. rather than a, a sweetened type uh, thing, basically it's cooked and you add in, you know, pieces of carrot, peas, uh, turmeric, ginger, uh, Oh, cumin, you know, uh, curry, etc. You know, lots of spices, and and it's very good that way. That's I, every time you talk about what you eat, I just <laughs> I'm like I want him to open a restaurant, right? <laughs> <go> there. <laughs> it wouldn't be me. That'd be my wife. Yeah. Hold me the restaurant. You. <laughs> she's the cook in the family. I I am it the the food you discuss sounds absolutely amazing. It does. And very healthy. Very thank you for calling Dexter. Okay. Um I'll, next we have Devon or Devon. I'm not sure which way to pronounce it. 
Hi, guys. Hello. Can you hear me okay? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You sound good. Okay. Um, I was just curious with all the medicinal herbs you grow, what are some of the ways that you store them after they've been grown? Ooh, I love that question. Thank you, Devin. I do too. Um, <laughs> there are many ways to store all of these herbs. And one thing you'll have to note is as you're learning about ones that you end up growing yourself is what parts of the plant that you're going to be using and how they're best benefited. So there are some herbs that are a lot more delicate that while you could dry them, they do better saved in like what I called earlier tincture, which is an alcohol extract um, or a vinegar or um, a syrup, something like that. So a lot of the ones that are um, a little bit more succulent, have a lot more water content to them, do well with those types of extraction and preservation styles. Um, but many of them honestly can get air dried or some people even like to put them in a dehydrator on the lowest setting. And once all the moisture has been pulled out, um, I use amber colored uh, mason jars. So that darkness allows for better preservation. The two things that are your enemy with dried uh, plants, dried herbs are going to be moisture and sunlight. So you want to make sure that you have them in airtight containers where they don't get any direct sun. So if you don't have amber colored jars, the reason I use those is I have open shelving in my home because I like to see things. And I know that, uh, like my setup is going to be a little bit different than yours. So what I do if I don't have that is any of those glass containers would be in a cabinet or in a room where there isn't any direct light. Um, I don't like to powder most of the herbs unless I need to use them for cooking. Um, Cause as you know, like time is really great uh, being cooked in stuff. And if you don't want to have, uh, if you need thyme powder or sage powder, those you can grind the day of. I like to use a mortar and pestle. Um, now, I don't know if you guys do this. I also, like if you have basil that you really like to have that fresh taste, basil does not hold its fragrance quite as well dried. So I will, um, you know, mix it up and then freeze it in like an ice cube tray and then keep one ounce with either an oil or a butter, something like that, that I would use it for for cooking. And those will go into little like one ounce chunks, of, <laughs> chunks I should say, of uh, herbs ready to go for cooking medicinally. If you have roots, those have to be washed really, really well and usually will need to be dried in something like a dehydrator because they are so thick and dense, it takes a while for them to fully dry out. Um, and it, you can do air drying, but you'll have months and you want to make sure that you don't get mold. So if you have a space that's a little bit more, uh, has higher humidity, that's not an ideal way to dry and then store your plants. But hopefully that helps give you some ideas of how you can store them. Do you have yeah, any yeah. other questions? Uh, not thank right you now. for calling. Okay, thank you. Um, I am 
thinking, I've heard you can dry some herbs in paper bags. I haven't tried it yet, but I'm sure considering it. Uh, have you ever so, done that? Would you recommend it? I have done it in paper bags. And if you have like a woodier herb, um, and by woody, I mean the stem just seems to be a little bit more sturdy. Um, plants that I think of woody herbs would be thyme, um, like a mature thyme plant, rosemary, uh, lavender, things of that nature where their stem can hold its own. Those are going to be appropriate for a brown paper bag or sometimes even the flowers. Like um, if you had Menarda or yarrow, um, you could do um, calendula in that manner. You just want it so that you don't have clumps of your wet, dewy plants sticking to each other and then um, molding. So if you have a way to okay. mix them regularly and they don't stick to each other as they wilt, that's going to be the best plant for that style. Anything that gets really sticky when it wilts, you'll want it on a single layer. Um, and it could be like what I like to do actually is I have window screens that I have just uh, stapled between very thin pieces of wood. My husband knows what these are because he's a carpenter. You would think the carpenter's wife knows what they're called. <laughs> furring strips. That's <laughs> I'm like, there they are. Furring strips. Very, very thin pieces. And then you create your own little tray or rack, mm. more or less. And you have a very thin layer uh, where air can still go through both sides, but it has something to land on. So if you've got some that like to stick to themselves a little bit more delicate, those are going to be better on a screen. And I today on Living Traditions Homestead on YouTube, mm -hmm. uh, they were showing how to use a freeze dryer to uh, yes. preserve herbs, and that yes. was fascinating. They are incredible. That is on my homestead wish list because several of my friends have them, and I am in the left out club. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, well, they, they are amazing cool. thousand bucks hanging around. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. When I have disposable income, I'll grab one of them. <laughs> yes. All right. Lucy, do we have any more hands raised? Nope. I have All a right. question. Marge, yeah. Yes, I, my, my question, um, Jasmine, for you is, um, along with valerian, what are your um, favorite herbs for uh, promoting good sleep? Ooh, so this is one of my favorites because I use these things a lot. And I, I have to laugh because valerian, I was so gung-ho about it before when I was very young herbalist and I had never experienced it before. If you've never messed with valerian, to me, it smells like stinky gym socks. It has oh, a yeah. very... It does. It does. <laughs> but when it's mixed with one of my favorites, so catnip, I know it sounds silly, but catnip is so good for your overall nervous system. And it's a very gentle herb that so can be used, um, like you can't do too much catnip. And the taste in a tea form is, is very mild. Um, it, it's almost minty, but it doesn't have the menthol in it, but it has that very um, familiar aroma and, and taste to it. So I really like to add catnip 
to my uh, sleepy time teas. Um, lemon balm is another one that I will add. Um, while it's not so much of a, a promoting good sleep, it absolutely is a calming herb. So if you tend to be one that has like a, a frantic mind when you're like, your brain doesn't shut down when you're supposed to be sleeping. Oh, yes. uh, lemon balm is wonderful and it's so easy to grow. It's one of those, it's very prolific. You almost can't get rid of it. It's like a mint. Uh, it reminds me of mint and oregano mixed together. It's nice to being a bushy, but it just never, never dies. Um, the other two plants that sometimes I will use depending on the person and how their sleep patterns are, are, passion flower, the plants portion of it. Um, there's also passion fruit that comes from passion flower plants. Um, and I usually will use the, the flower and the leaf part of the passion flower. And that's going to be for people who need super deep sleep. Um, and then hops is another one that I use with caution, depending on, uh, I don't use it with children. But the hops that you would use in beer can also, um, it's one of the reasons why a hoppy beer will help you go to sleep is it does have um, high amount of um, melatonin increasing, almost a hormone actually in this plant. So those are, those are the four that I like mixing and matching when it comes to uh, sleepy time. Okay, and you have an, another, oh, sorry. Oh. <laughs> no, go ahead, please. Okay. All right, Musi, go ahead. Okay. Um, I'm. Did you mention chamomile? Is that hard to grow? And is catnip? Oh, you know, I did not. Okay. And is catnip hard to grow? So catnip is very easy to grow. Okay. Um, and I, I did not mention chamomile, and I do use it. Uh, but I use chamomile for so many other things, chamomile, chamomile. Um, I use it for a lot of like skin and health and cleansing, m almost more than I do for a tea. Um, but both of them are easy to grow. Uh, catnip is very easy to grow from seed, and it is a perennial, so it will come back year after year. The pollinators love it. It has um, a very soft, velvety leaf and... Uh, it can be in sunshine or it can handle partial shade. So it's a very easy perennial plant to grow. Thank Do you. beware, what neighborhood your, cats might come around. <laughs> right. And what is your favorite, what one do you like to smell of all of the herbs you've mentioned? I mean, your favorites. Mm, I do love to, if I could roll in rosemary, I would roll in rosemary. <laughs> <laughs> but I might be con uh, confused with a, a turkey or a chicken. I don't know. But it has a very strong, just grounding smell to me. I do love that one. Um, I, I do, I do love the smell of chamomile. Chamomile. I do love the smell of that as well. It has a very appley, a very happy, cheerful smell to me. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, I will stick my nose in just about any of my plants. So I can't say it's like my absolute favorite, but I do. I'm like, oh, you just smell so good. <laughs> but uh, now I will answer your question on chamomile. There are two varieties that you can grow, um, Roman and German. And with chamomile, uh, 
let me double check if German is the perennial. So there's one that's perennial and then the other is annual, but it's self seeds. Mm. So once it's established, it'll come back. And mm. my brain has to go back to it. So German is annual. So the Roman chamomile is going to be the one that will come back year after year. And their flowers are very delicate. Um, so when you're harvesting them, you'll need a special tool or just very delicately pulling each flower head off at the peak of its bloom, not when it starts to go to seed. So, and you can tell that by um, the size of the petals, the shorter they are, the better medicinally they are as they get a little bit longer, which is not very long. It's like a you know, quarter of an inch versus a half inch petal. Uh, they, they kind of lose a little bit of their medicinal value. So with chamomile, it's the flowers you are harvesting, not the leaves? Mm -hmm. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and it does make a difference because I know lavenders that way too, you uh, harvest the buds. So what are some other herbs you just harvest the buds or the flowers? Um, so calendula, uh, some people may know it as calendula. Um, it is pot marigold. This is used specifically for its flower only. And it is amazing for stomach issues. It's amazing for skin. It's really mainly used for skin. And it is a very sturdy, um, almost has a slight resin to it, a very orange, yellow. A lot of times farmers will use this for their chickens to help bring that color of the yolk up if they're mainly on a grain feed and they can't go out and, and forage. Uh, calendula is used heavily for that. Um, hyssop is another one that I like to use just the flowers for. Um, hmm. And that's going to be one that can be used for like uh, making a cough syrup. It can be used for little kids if they've got a tummy ache. Um, I'm trying to think. There's, there's a list of them, and I'm sure I'm forgetting them. A borage, you can use both the flowers and the plant itself. But um, I tend to use the flowers a lot more. Uh, do you use roses medicinally? I do. I absolutely do. And I like the buds. Again, there's just a little bit more potency uh, when it comes to using them medicinally. But you also can let them go to seed and use the hips, which is, you know, rose hips. They are a very great source of antioxidants and vitamin C. And I like to mix those into syrups and teas for uh, winter time because it boosts up that antihistamine for snotty noses and things of that nature. Um, and roses are uh, themselves are high in vitamin C. I also like to put them in like soaks for baths. It is one of the most soothing uh, the essential oils in the flowers are so soothing to the skin and they can just make it hydrate real quick. It's amazing. Okay, you have nine, uh, 10 minutes, excuse me. Okay. All right. <laughs> and, and Jasmine, my gosh, you are just blowing me away. We haven't stumped you yet. It's like you're going through your doctoral thesis here. <laughs> um, uh, Lucy, do we have any hands raised? Dexter. Hi, Dexter. Hello. With regard to hyssop, Matt, we 
we buy dried hyssop here in like an eight ounce jar and the tea that you make from that is incredible. I mean, you don't have to, you know, it's got a slightly sweet flavor and that and mm-hmm. very, very good. Mm-hmm. So, so if no one's Dexter, tried that. It's, it's amazing. I, I have to ask you, would you call it licorice or, or root beer flavor? Because I've heard people say both. What, neither. How, how would you describe Neither. How would you describe it? It's got a slightly fruity flavor, um, mm-hmm. and and the stuff comes out yeah, well. Per my wife, it comes out red colored mm-hmm. uh, when you make the tea from it. Uh, mm-hmm. But but yes, yeah, slightly sweet, slightly fruity. I mean, you know, it's very very good tasting. It is. I grow well. It it self feeds it kind of once you have one plant you're <laughs> kind of like the lemon balm it's going to be everywhere but i i it is a really flavorful tea it mm-hmm. i agree yeah but i have used the leaves i didn't think of using the flowers i will definitely mm-hmm. the flowers are really attractive too they're big and kind of like to me they feel like a big bottle brush like a pop bottle brush but yes, so I don't know what they there's look like, two plants that we're actually talking about. So you're talking about um, anise hyssop or anise hyssop, mm-hmm. which does have a slight licorice taste. And the hyssop that Dexter and I are talking about is just hyssop. And it okay. it looks like, um, it's, so the bottle brush flower uh, uh, umble that you're talking about is it's anise hyssop. And uh, it can be used for very similar uh, medicinal properties. Uh, but hyssop is a lot more delicate. It is in the sage flower family, so or salvia type family. Um, and it has a very, like I said, it's almost fruity, almost minty. It's just a little bit different than the um, anise hyssop. But both of them are, are wonderful to you. Oh, thank you for explaining that. And growth, growing wise, what is the difference? Um, so they're very similar as well. Uh, the anesthetic is going to be uh, taller and a little bit more. Mm, so like anesthetic will be up to like three foot tall and it is a little bit more bushy, shrubby once it takes good shape. Whereas hyssop is only going to be about a foot tall and it really looks like if you were to have like a butterfly garden, the the little spikes are very small. The flower spikes are very small. It, it almost is like a butterfly bush, but in a miniature form with purple flowers. Um, okay. Yeah, but they both love sun. They're both very um, happy to be in open areas. Great for pollinator garden, both of them. So Dexter, thank you. You gave me a new herb to look for. (laughs) One more hand, Pam. Hi, Pam. Hello. Okay. Curiosity is killing me. Jasmine, when you, (laughs) when you first got into herbs, you, you said Mm -hmm. at the beginning of the hour, you were doing it because of a, medical condition that you were dealing Mm -hmm. with and 
My question is, were you ultimately able to avoid surgery after taking the herbal medicine? I was. It did take Wonderful. months instead of <laughs> instead of like instant. But yes, I was able to avoid surgery and that thrust me into the excitement that, oh, plants can actually oh, heal people. Sweet. Okay. Mm -hmm. Thank you for asking that. That was a good <laughs> catch. Good catch. And anything oh. to avoid the knife. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The knife and the long recovery. In the mm -hmm. hospital yes. period. Yes. Yes. Well, yes. Yes. Jasmine, it's been a pleasure in so many ways to have you on and so informative. Thank you for joining us again and for sacrificing some time on a beautiful day. Oh, absolutely happy you. to come back. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Thank you so you much. You guys are such a fun bud. <laughs> oh, we, we, I think we have the best. We do, you know, the gardener outdoor types. That's just mm -hmm. where it all is. Yep. But thank you for joining joining us again, and I hope we can have you back. If you have so much you can talk about, so <laughs> I'm going to uh, just let everybody know ne that next month we are going to talk about attracting pollinators to your yard and it's not just bugs and bees it's going to include bats and all kinds of critters so please join us uh, again next month and I'm going to hand it over to Marge and let her take us out yes thank you Deborah, and thank you for um finding so many uh, possible good speakers for us uh, through your Master Gardener program, as, as you've done just recently. Uh, that's really exciting. So June 10th is the date for our call uh, with a pollinator expert. Uh, and we will follow from that in future months with other experts that, uh, that Deborah has found. So uh, please do join us again and um and through our announcement on the acb community you can join the homesteading by touch listserv there's a direct link uh to do that so please join there as well thank you everyone thank you uh deb for um our uh, stream today and thank you lucy for hosting <laughs>